Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. A big step forward in the ongoing reconstruction of at least part of the McCluggage Bridge happened this week. The new metal arch for the eastbound side was floated into place, essentially meaning that after five years of construction, the new eastbound span is finally close to complete. John Love is the resident engineer on the project for the Illinois Department of Transportation. We're setting the main fan, which is a tight arch that has been built kind of off to the south, uh, south of the eastbound 150 direction. And we floated it in on barges uh, starting at 5 a.m. this morning. How's it gone so far? Uh, we're not done. Uh, we still have quite a bit to do, but uh, the initial process uh, has, has gone well. Everything landed where it's supposed to currently. Like I said, we haven't finished yet, so we still have a lot of work left in the day, but it's gone great. How uh, how nerve-wracking is it to have to try to put something like that into place? I couldn't imagine uh, trying to do something that seems to me, uh, in this case with the span, so intricate. It has been very nerve-wracking for everybody out here, but uh, I can say that the contractor uh, and the contractor's engineering team has definitely done their due diligence, and they've checked and rechecked. And it it went pretty seamless, the actual float-in part. So, and, and we're currently hovering over our final position, just trying to get to that final, final point where we can land it and drop it down and call it a day. I was going to say, just uh, getting into that landing spot, right? <laughs> yep. So this, is, uh, this was the span for the eastbound side, right? It, yes, it was built just south on the east side of it. Okay. Yep. And you basically, uh, did you guys build it on site, or how did that part uh, work before you uh, worked today to it, get it into place? It was all built on site there just south on the temporary shoring. Yep. Wow. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of cranes, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of hours. I bet so. Um, so I imagine, is there going to be a span for the westbound side, too, at some point, And how will that work? So the westbound will get a rehab, but it will not, that's not going to get a new bridge. So they'll just come in and put a new deck on that. Uh, and I, that, that's scheduled for after this project's completion. How did it? Uh, how did it get to be that uh, one side got a new span and one side didn't? Was just one in better shape than the other? So, so the eastbound that we are replacing, the eastbound 150 structure, it was built back in the 40s, and the westbound was built back in the 80s. So the westbound has it still has a lot of service life left. Quite a thing to uh, deal with with a bridge, though. Up on, coming up on 75 years. So, say that again. Kind of a kind of an interesting thing, I guess, maybe historically, right? To come up with that uh, one side is uh, older than the other. Yes, it is, and and it's just the process of the growth that Peoria has had, you know, to the outer regions, uh, and it's specifically north, you know, Washington, Germantown, Eureka, East Peoria. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, w- where do you go from here once uh, you're able to, at some point today, uh, get uh, get the span landed? What do you do next in this uh, in this construction project once that part's taken care of? Well, the first thing is everybody that's put in the hard work is going to go enjoy a nice Christmas break. <laughs> there you it's go. Well deserved, it's a well-deserved one for the crews out here. But following once we come back January 1st, we're going to hit it hard. Uh, we have to finish up the span that is directly east of the arch, uh, which we left that out so that we could bring the arch in kind of to the east and then pull it back to the west. And then we also have to finish the span uh, that's on the west side that goes over the railroad tracks. And those will all get decked next. Well, they'll get steel this winter and then get concrete decked uh, in the spring and into summer. And all the remaining work will be done late summer, uh, the barriers, concrete barriers and bike paths, striping, that'll all be finished up in the fall. Well, of course, why didn't I think you'd get a holiday break? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, it, and I'll tell you, everybody, everybody out here wants it. To, you know, like you started the conversation, everybody's been nerve-wracking. So it's, it's a well-deserved break for everybody out here. Are you uh, still on time with this project? I know that at least at one point there was thought of maybe a little bit lost time when uh, that fire occurred that ended up being not necessarily the case. Or time-wise, are you still where you want to be right now? Yeah, we're we're where we want to be. Uh, haven't fallen any further behind. We're we're at the same spot that we anticipated a couple of weeks after the fire. Once we were able to figure out what the fire, you know, what that all entailed and any delays there, but we got past it, and we hit our target, which was to have the arch in before Christmas. Perfect. So um, how does this project uh, compare to, I guess, maybe other bridge spans or other construction projects you've worked on? Is this Has this been different or about, or, or about the same than others? I would say for me this one's been completely different just because the magnitude. Everything is hard to get to, the, you know, the access. Uh, you know, just working out of the river is not typical. Now, I've, I've done many projects out over Illinois, but just the magnitude, the number of people, uh, and probably most notably the length of the project. I mean, we started in 2019, so uh, it gets to be a little exhausting after four or five years. I bet. Do you? Do you? I imagine there are times where you probably sit there and you think, "Okay, everything's going well, but is this ever really going to end?" <laughs> it, it, it does, and that's the nice. You know, that's really the nice thing about knowing that the arch is set now, because I kind of feel like we we're over the hump, and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it hasn't felt like that really before. So it's there's just always so much to do. But I feel like this is. Uh, it is a big milestone for a lot of reasons for the project. Did you have any uh, problems this morning uh, leading up to now? I, we noted that uh, maybe there were a couple of minor uh, fender benders, I'm guessing, from people trying to see the span move. But uh, was were there any problems getting to this point today? As far as the fender benders, I wasn't even uh, aware of those. I've been down, you know, with the float in and the bridge. So we had state troopers up on the eastbound. So I wasn't even aware we had any, but uh, I'm assuming they weren't too terrible because I nothing had gotten back to me. Right. But no, uh, 
everything really went fine. They had a little bit of a, the contractor did have a little bit of a problem with uh, some icing, you know, when, when they were trying to ballast and de-ballast the barges, you know, to go up and down in the water. They were having a little problem with some ice. The ice was starting to form, but uh, the minute that sun came up, everything melted nicely, and we were able to get going. Has uh, weather been a problem at all, one way or another, in this uh, in this project? And I'm thinking especially today with it, well, as you said, with it being so cold and that ice being an issue, but have you any, had any other problems up to now? I would say overall, not really. Uh, I mean, with every project, any project that goes 365 days, let alone four years, you're going to have some weather. But we've had better than expected weather I would say for four years, we've been really lucky to not have uh, a high number of floods. Yeah, I was going to say that almost never happens, right? Right, it, it does. So, it, it for, I, I guess I feel lucky that you know we haven't gotten into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, I, I think that might cover most of what I wanted to know. Is there anything else uh, folks would want to know about this uh, process up to this point, other than uh, now you get to take, uh, for lack of a better term, a few days off? <laughs> no, just, you know, it's been a great opportunity for for me, for the whole group out here, uh, the contractor, uh, IDOT in general, and, and I think in the end Central Illinois is going to be, I don't think they know quite what they're going to have, but, it's going to be a point of civic pride here, and I think a lot of people will use the walking path uh, with the two trailheads. I think it's just going to be a nice, easy place to come get a two-mile walk. But I, I think in the end, it's going to be worth the, you know, the fruits of everybody's labor here. Would you rather be working on this or the Bob Michael Bridge? <laughs> I would definitely rather be working on this. There you it's go. Always nice, and I only say that because it's always nice to work on new construction. It's just it's easier than to try to repair something. You know, if you can imagine rebuilding your house versus getting a brand new house, it's it's just a smoother process to have a brand new, you know, because you expect everything to be perfect. John Love with the Illinois Department of Transportation. You can see pictures and video from the movement of the arch at WMBDRadio.com. More Week in Review coming up. Another big construction milestone of sorts happened in Peoria this past week. A ceremony was held for the topping of the metal beam that will be part of the building of the new Peoria County Health and Human Services Complex. That makes for the essential halfway point in the construction of the new facility on the site of what was the Peoria City County Health Department on Sheridan Road. It will give several county departments the space they deserve and need after essentially being spread out all over the place for a long time time. I talked with Rob Rennell, Peoria County board member and chair of the board's health committee a few days ago. We are, yeah. Today was the topping out ceremony, which is typically when the highest part of uh, metal or iron gets placed. So it's significant uh, in the fact that we made it this far. One of, one of the old traditions of this process was, was to celebrate the fact that the highest piece has been placed without any harm or injury or death to any of the workers. And granted, that's probably for larger buildings, but we're happy to say that we have had no accidents or incidents to this date on our site. Well, and the county is is not exactly one to spend a lot of time building a lot of buildings, too, right? So I could understand why this would be pretty significant. 
Right, yeah. We we haven't built a – well, we built Eddington Oaks is the last building that we've built. Um, this building, what's great about this building is that it's going to absorb the coroner's office, who is in uh, an old building that doesn't satisfy the needs of, of his office. It's also going to have the regional office of superintendent. And currently, her office – one her main office is in the courthouse, but she has a couple other satellite offices throughout the county because of, we don't have the space. So this facility is going to offer enough space for her entire crew to be together in one spot. And then, of course, the health department will be there uh, providing all the great services it provides. And then our Department of Sustainability will also be housed in the facility. So it sounds like that this project uh, was born really out of all kinds of necessity. It was. The, the prior health department had, was had a 70-year life cycle. Um, it was definitely past the point of, of needing replaced. It had been built on about four different times, so there were there was no real good point of entry and point of contact there. And, and this is going to make it just a lot more fluid for our our workers. So, uh, so now we know what that uh, final beam is. Uh, the importance of that is, but. Uh, from from other standpoints, uh, what does that beam uh, mean? I was watching a little bit of the ceremony here not long ago, and it it seems like that uh, so far so good. You have a lot to be uh, proud of here going forward. We have a, we have a lot to be proud of. Um, like getting the ironwork up, I think is is just a great visual re- visual representation of of the project as a whole. You can actually see the size and the scope and the scale of the facility, the shape of it. Um, if you've seen any of the renderings, you can actually say, oh, this is where the front door is going to be. This is where our community room is going to be, which is going to be a great addition to this facility. And, you know, it, it means we're about a quarter of the way done. Um, we still have a lot of work, but we're seeing the progress, you know, especially on a site where we had to take down the old health department. So it, we were all anxious to start getting it up out of, up and out of the ground. And this, uh, you've kind of gotten to this point, uh, it seems to me, pretty quickly anyway. Has it gone uh, that quick to you in terms of schedule and that sort of thing? Um, actually, we're hitting the schedule right where we need to be, which is great. Um, to be open, hopefully this time next year we'll be doing a ribbon cutting on the facility. Um, it can always go faster for me, but I realize with with some of the struggles that, that a lot of these uh, projects have, would not be able to get some of the materials in. Um, River City Construction's been doing a fantastic job at making sure that that all of the trades have everything that they need when they need it, so that we can continue the progress on the building. I was going to say, and all things being equal, you are right on schedule, as you said. But technically, uh, you can't even on the day we're talking, you can't even put this beam up today. <laughs> it's true. It was a little too windy. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, we had a good group of people, a um, good number of people that showed up for the beam signing. Uh, we got everything that we need to do out of the way, so we weren't a hindrance uh, tomorrow when they do install that beam. But it was just a little too windy uh, the, for the crane to lift that beam up. We didn't. We wanted everything and everybody to be safe. So, have you run? I'm sorry, Rob. Have you uh, run run into many problems with weather or things like that, or have you had any problems uh, staying on time up to this point? Of course, there there are 
some weather-related dates that are just built into the schedule, kind of like a no schedule for school. And uh, right now we're doing really well as far as making the, making our schedule happen and being on time and where we need to be. All right, that's great. Um, and and for those who don't know, talk to me about the cost. I know it's one of those things that we don't necessarily like to think about per se when we when uh, these projects get going. But uh, um, where are you at in terms of budget? Uh, we're right where we need to be for budget. This is a $22.3 million project, so it's a significant project. Um, the thing I think for everybody to be proud of, though, is the fact that Peoria County and the residents own this building outright. We're paying cash for this building. We didn't have to issue any bond debt. We didn't have to raise taxes. This is a building that we own, and I think that's something great and it just adds to the significance of this property. I know that uh, the county departments uh, that are, are kind of being impacted have had to move around and shuffle a little bit, with the exception, I think, of the coroner's office. How are they kind of adjusting to uh, having to be in temporary quarters? Actually, they're doing great. Our, you know, we have great employees. They they understand the necessity of it. And, you know, if, if you were getting a brand-new office, I, you know, it, it's something to easily – put up with maybe a minor inconvenience. And um, our health department has done a great job of getting the news out, the word out about where services can be and where they're temporarily being held. Um, You can find information on their website. If you call the main number, they'll make sure to get you where you need to be to make sure that our residents are still getting the services they deserve. Well, I know this is probably an obvious uh, question or an obvious answer at this point, but now that you have all the beams in place, what's next in terms of uh, getting this building built? Uh, well, they, they still have uh, decking that they need to do, and they'll start putting up some of the exterior walls, so the, the metal studs will start going in. Um, what was really interesting is because this was going to be built on a slab, most of the plumbing as far as the drain work already had to be done. And uh, that was impressive. It came in in big pre-made sheets. They had the specs. They they kind of put all the drain work together, and it was like a big jigsaw puzzle out there. Wow. Uh, anything surprise you about this project so far? Um, not really. It's it's. I mean, we we have had some surprises as far as um, one of the big surprises that we had initially was the abatement for the asbestos that was in the old building. We weren't given quite the proper uh, amount that we thought was in there. When they opened the walls, they found about three times the amount of asbestos. Oh, my gosh. In the building. So that took a little more money and a little more time. That did delay us um, by about two weeks while we were trying to get the building ready to be demolished. But now most of that stuff is gone, uh, all of the unknowns, just because you never know what you're getting into when you're demolishing. So a lot of the change orders and things, the unknowns, happen on the front end. So now we're just looking excited to continue to make progress and get this building complete. All right. And again, you said uh, hopefully this time next year you'll officially be opening up and uh, cutting the ribbon, correct? Yeah, and it shouldn't be shouldn't be weather-dependent opening the building. So we don't have to worry about cold weather or wind, we can just go inside. Peoria County Board Member Rob Renault, Chair of the County Board's Health Committee. More We Can Review. 
coming up. Chances are if you're traveling to or from your Christmas destination already, you're either there or on the road. But if you're not, or if you're flying closer to New Year's, you're not alone, even if you use the Peoria International Airport. WMBD's TJ Carson talked the other day with Peoria Director of Airports, Gene Olson. How many uh, passengers, flights are you expecting? What's the raw numbers? So uh, we have um, some, we expect between now and the end of the year, we expect somewhere between 22 and 25,000 people to come through the airport. Um, that's the number of seats available. Uh, and 25,000 is pretty close to the number of seats available. And uh, we expect everything to be at least 80% full. So it's going to be busy. Okay. So estimate about 2,000 pa- or 20,000 passengers then, if I do my math right, as of right now. Yeah, it, probably at least that, yep. Okay, and then you say end of the year through New Year's Day? Through New Year's Eve, Okay. Yeah. Uh, how would you compare that to what you experienced for the Thanksgiving holiday? Because that's the holiday that a lot of people cite as the busiest travel days of the year. How would you compare it to then? For us, uh, when you look at the numbers, this is actually a little busier than Thanksgiving. Um, it's interesting because November and December are not our busiest months, Um but you take a, a good solid month's worth of activity and you pack it into like two weeks for each of those months. So it's kind of a slow, November is kind of a slow first part of the month. December, first part of the month is slow. But then it's really busy in the last, you know, week or two of the of the of both of those months. What makes the Christmas holiday season busier uh, than Thanksgiving in your mind? Well, more people are traveling. I mean, there's more seats available. Um, I think... The Friday before New Year's Eve, uh, we have over 3,000 seats coming through Peoria. And that's a busier day than any day that we had in November. Um, And it's also, you know, the busiest day of the last two weeks of the year. And it's just, are you adding flights because of that? Are there more flights? Or what what are the numbers in regards to that? So uh, you said, are you adding more flights? We don't get to make that call. Yeah, Yeah, the airlines are adding more flights. Um, And then correspondingly, Christmas Day... Uh, which is Monday this year, the Sunday and the Monday, well, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are all three of those are, are slow days. They have fewer seats. I think going out of here on Christmas Day, we only have 1,200 seats. So the Friday before Christmas is busy at like 2,800 seats, and the Friday before New Year's is busy at like 3,100 seats. So, you know, they've, they've tried to accommodate um, – the, the number of passengers by throwing extra seats in here. And that's more than the Thanksgiving Eve and day holiday? I think, yeah, I think the um, the Thanksgiving week, the largest number we saw was around 2,800 seats. Okay. Um, how does the airport handle all that? Well, we're sized for it. Um, you know, we're, we're basically sized for twice the number of passengers that we had when the terminal was built. And we're, we're, not, we're not anywhere near that, so... Um, you know, we got the space. The airlines have the staff. Um, we have a pretty small staff. I mean, out of there's 2,000 people that work on this airport, and the airport authority has like 28 of them. <laughs> so, uh, so, no hiccups that you expect so far. No, and and you know, I'm I'm crossing my fingers and hoping for good weather because the only thing that really messes anything up for holiday travel is bad weather. Uh, and that's just something that, you know, nobody can do anything about. Right now, it's not looking too good. We can handle snow. We can handle rain. The thing that gets us is low visibility. So a foggy day will really mess things up. And then ice will mess things up. 
So as long as we don't have ice or fog, we'll be good to go. Any tips, advice you can give people on how to prepare for uh, what's to come with over the next few days with travel? Yeah, um, the, the number one tip, get here early. Um, some of the airline ticket counters close as much as 45 minutes before your departure time. So if you get here and you've got a bag to check and you get here after 45 minutes prior, that bag's not getting on the plane. Um, the other thing is um, if something goes wrong, like say you have a prohibited item in your carry-on, um, if you have gotten here an hour and a half to two hours ahead of time, you've got time to deal with that. You can take that prohibited item and go lock it in your car um, and then still make your flight. So get here early. Uh, if you're traveling with gifts, don't wrap them uh, because if TSA puts it through a scanner and they need to look at it, they're going to have to open your wrapping. So it's better to just take the wrapping paper with you, wrap it when you get there. Um, and then the other thing is make sure that uh, when you park your car in our parking lot, that you hide any valuables that you're going to leave in the car, that you lock the car, and that you take your keys with you. Uh, over the last few years, we've had maybe a couple of dozen cars stolen out of the parking lot, but every one of them has had the keys in the car and the car's been unlocked. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> um, it's amazing to me that people would, would do that, but they still do every once in a while. Okay. And any websites, any info people can look for? Or... Sure. Um, like uh, you can go to tsa.gov and look under the four travelers section and that'll have uh, good information on what you can pack, what you can't pack. Yeah. And then uh, also go to your airline's website and, because each airline is slightly different. For example, um, certain airlines you can travel with pets. Uh, well, well, you can travel with pets with almost every airline, but certain kinds of pets are not allowed on certain airlines, like the short-faced dogs, um, you know, like boxers and pugs and things like that. Some airlines won't take those. Um, and, and so check with your airline before you go. And then I wanted to circle back to that. Uh, you said more flights, more seats are being added. Do you know how many more flights are being added for this holiday season? Um, well, we're, we're up. Com this year compared to last year, we're up uh, 8% on the number of flights. Okay. And uh, we're up 6% on the number of seats. Okay. Do you have numbers on those like uh, other than the percentages? Let me, let me look them up. <laughs> um, so uh, this year... Between now and the end of the year, we're, we're going to see 28,456 seats. That's both in and out. Yeah. Um, and then we're, we're going to 80% load factor, which is about what we've been running, puts that at just under 23,000. And that's the current number that's been sold? That's not been sold. That's what's available. Or uh, this, this number? That's an estimate okay. because we've been running about 80% load factor. So the real number of passengers is going to be somewhere between that and that. Okay, so 22,000 to... 22,700 to uh, somewhere between 28,500. Okay. will be somewhere in there. WMBD's TJ Carson and Peoria Director of Airports, Gene Olson. More Week in Review coming up. The mayor of Peoria Heights says his city is in good shape, at least financially, as a new year is about to start. Michael Phelan recently gave his State of the Village address, and WMBD's T.J. Carson talked with Phelan about it. How would you say the city in the village of Peoria Heights has done in the past year? 
Well, I think when it comes to uh, village finances, economic development, and services, I think we're doing uh, really well. Our uh, reserve funds are healthy. Uh, sales tax was up 5% last year, so we're excited about that. The economy, local economy is doing well. You mentioned in your speech as well about how the village had not been doing so well financially in the past few years, and now things are starting to get better. Can you go back a little bit into that history? What has changed in those past few years, or how bad it was, and then how it has changed to get things back on track? Well, I just think we have been focused on our strategic plan. Um, We did a comprehensive plan several years ago, followed up by a strategic plan, and the board um, makes most of its decisions based on that strategic plan. So we've been pretty laser focused when it comes to um, looking to the future and making good decisions when it comes to the village finances. So we've also, I mentioned economic development. I think the decisions we have made to support local businesses has paid um, huge dividends. We're seeing that last year in the form of additional increase in uh, 5% in sales tax. And that's really how we pay our bills. Um, we've actually um, lowered the property tax rate several years and, and held the line on the levy. Um, we rely um, very little on property tax, so we're relying on sales tax, and that's just been coming in very well for us, and that helps us pay police, fire, and public works employees to provide those services, those good services we like to provide. Sales tax revenue, what are those exact numbers at, and how does that compare to the property taxes? Um, well, I, I don't have an exact number for sales tax, but I, I do know it was up last year over 5%. We levy, um, I can give you an, also an approximate number. Um, when um, a resident of the village pays a dollar towards their property tax bill, the village takes about or less than a nickel of that dollar. So we take less than 5% of every dollar um in property tax, and I, I think our total levy in property taxes might be two hundred fifty thousand. It's it's a fairly small number and compared to our budget and what we rely on to provide services for for the residents. It sounds like the investments the village has made to businesses and trying to get that sales tax revenue has paid off for uh, Peoria Heights. Can you talk about what some of those investments are? What has the village invested in to try to support businesses and uh, boost that sales tax revenue? Well, uh, both large and small. Um, And actually, we're excited to be um, for the opening of of Beck's and uh, the dispensary in the the coming year, uh, 4500, the Treskers building, um, lots of investments in small projects. Um, we have what's called a business development district, and we have put, oh gosh, I think it's about um, $725,000 in just um, local business um, grants to help people with um, improvements to their business, their property, everything from marketing and landscaping to um, improvements to the building and the facade. Um, those grants um, are in the form of business development grants. We've got over over the last five years, 500000 in, in direct business assistant grants um, in the form of development agreements. Um, so, you know, we've got um, a small economy, but it's it's very diversified. It, um, a lot of folks think it's, it's all restaurants and bars and entertainment. We do have a lot of that, but, I mean, you've got everything from art and and candle shops and uh, ceramics and um, 
clothing. So um, it's a pretty diversified small downtown made up of primarily family businesses that are really engaged in the community and in their business. And we're benefiting from that in the form of additional sales tax. Where is the village still potentially struggling in finances? Is there an area that you feel needs some improvement and that the village will need to work on the next year? Well, I, I don't know that we're struggling in any area, but we, we're going to have some challenges as far as water. We have um, we have about oh, 50 or 60 years to make up in the form of um, water improvements from customer from the well to the customer. So uh, we need to invest a lot of money in filtration. We need to invest a lot of money in water main replacement, and we need to invest a lot of money in lead service line replacement, which is not only um, a water issue, it's a public health issue. So um, we've got a great source for our water, which is San Cody Aquifer, um, but a, a lot of improvements need to be made. And, you know, honestly, once the Paps uh, Brewery closed back in the early 1980s, the village just didn't have a lot of money um, to invest in um, infrastructure, whether it be roads or sidewalks or water. And now that we've got um, additional revenues coming in, we're trying to take some of that surplus and put it towards um, infrastructure improvements. And water is one of the highest priorities, I think, in the coming year. That literally, I mean, it's it's millions of dollars in, 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 in a fix. How much dollars is it going to take to fix everything? And what do you see for a timeline for those water improvements? Uh, that could take well over 10 years, but we've been very successful in obtaining grants. So, for instance, Congressman Sorensen has secured about a million dollars in federal money for water main replacement on Route 29. We've got over $700,000 in um, lead service line replacement grants. So um, we're working with a national consultant, Woodard and Curran. You might know that name because they also the city of Peoria also used them to do the due diligence on their water buyout, and, and they're experts in all things related to, to, to water. Um, filtration is one of the biggest um, that we have to address. We think that will solve a lot of our problems. And we spent a lot of money this year in an experimental um, project, and it's called ice pigging, where um, a specialized company comes in and they run a slurry through the water mains. Water mains are shut off, and then they force the slurry to literally scour out the mains. And um, we, we think that's going to be pretty successful. So um, we're anxiously awaiting those results. That's just been started over the last couple of weeks. Uh, shifting away from finances for a moment, what were some of the other highlights in the village this year in 2023? Well, uh, we funded $500,000 for Prospect Road we um, really, you know, we've got a, a beautiful downtown, one of the nicest downtowns, I think, in all of central Illinois. And we are planning a 40 plus million dollar improvement for Prospect Road from Kingman Avenue to War Memorial Drive. That really won't, um, it'll, it'll include um, landscaping, common lighting, more accessibility on the sidewalks, wider sidewalks, a bike lane and uh, just an improved road. And we hope to continue to improve but extend our downtown uh, further south towards War Memorial Drive. So Congressman LaHood has also secured $2 million in the first phase engineering study of that road. Um, we also are continuing to work on uh, Route 29 and Galena Road 
and there is over $70 million in state funding allotted for that. IDOT is hopefully they're getting ready to start the construction phase. We're anxiously awaiting that. That will be a much safer road um, and more, um, it'll include a bike lane and it'll enhance our connectivity, improve uh, safety and enhance um, economic and uh, residential development, we think in that corridor. Um, let's see, we've got, um, we're, we're anxiously awaiting the news on a, a grant for Monroe Avenue, which is um, healthy neighborhoods, federal grants. We want to, Monroe Avenue is a secondary artery within the village. And we want to do a streetscape there from Toledo to Monroe, which is where the Beck development will be. But we want to uh, slow down traffic um, on that corridor and also um, new sidewalks, bike lanes, um, improved lighting and landscaping uh, for that neighborhood. So we've also got in that neighborhood, we've been really focusing on neighborhoods. So doing the streetscape in Monroe, we also received a healthy HUD, healthy homes grant where we're um, targeting about 15 homes um, on life safety issues, um, everything from mold and um, lead in the home. So uh, those homeowners are now in the process of applying for those grants. So neighborhoods are, are high on the priority list as, as well. Um, a couple of miscellaneous items that we're pretty proud of. Uh, we completed last year um, an accessible playground. I believe we have one of the few um, accessible playgrounds in the region, and that was spearheaded by some local uh, school children um, who had the idea of the successful playground. So we sunk almost 200000 in the playground, and most of that money was raised by the kids. Um, and that's seen, that's seen lots and lots of use. We've, we funded a lot of improvements to Tower Park that might not be so noticeable, but that's you know, one of the main gathering spots in the village. And um, we did improvements to the observation tower. We uh, improved uh, the tower park fountain with new lighting and fountains. And we've added a lot of additional public art in, in the village. So those are just some of the things that come to mind. Peoria Heights Mayor Michael Phelan talking with WMBD's T.J. Carson. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us again next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and at WMBDRadio.com or just download our podcast on WMBDRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Merry Christmas. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.